Praise the Lord. God is good. You know, um, thankful for the opportunity to be here today. And um, I'd like to speak a word, but let us pray first. Father, I praise you, God. You are good. You are faithful. You are mighty. You are powerful, Lord. And you know the limited time that I have here today. And God Almighty, I pray that you would utilize every moment of it for your glory and for your honor, that every heart would be pointed towards you. God Almighty, I pray that you would overshadow every heart now. God, with your truth, let your anointing touch ears and minds, Lord, that they would receive and understand the word of God. I pray, bring life to it, Holy Spirit, bring life to it in the mighty name of Jesus. And God Almighty, I know that you desire to do something today. And God, I pray that dead bones would rise out of their grave. People would come alive by the power of God. And God, that people would tremble at your word. Because you're good. And you love us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 3. I'd like to talk a minute about... Uh, a subject, I was about ready to preach on something else, and as I was sitting over there, the Lord would not allow me to do that. He told me that I have to speak on this subject, so um, I'm going to be speaking on a topic, dead or alive. Dead or alive, you know. Um, many of us in here, we would say, of course, I'm alive, you know. Uh, I'm breathing, um, you know, I have breath in my lungs, so on and so forth. But we all, we all know this truth. That just because somebody's breathing and their heart's pumping, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're alive spiritually. So we're going to look at the book of Revelation, chapter number 3. And we're going to read just a couple verses here. Actually, one verse to be exact. And I would like to then go through some different points that the Lord has put onto my heart to share with you this evening. So we're going to do Revelation, chapter 3, verse number 1. And if you're there, say amen. amen. If not, I don't have time to wait for you, so we're going to move on, okay? <laughs> Apologize. Uh, it says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things, says he, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. My friends, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture that we, our eyes have seen and our ears have heard today. And it's because this passage is in reference to the church of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine that this whole place was filled with people and Jesus delivered a letter that said that this church was dead? My friends, he doesn't do that to bring condemnation. He does that because he wants to show us whether we have a spiritual pulse or not. You know, there's uh, some things that some of us might know about CPR, you know. If you will, uh, God wants to check our vital signs to see if we are alive or not. You know, uh, I was trained in CPR many, many years. I've went through the training, and the first thing you do is you do the ABCs, right? And you check to see if the airway is open, if there's breathing, if there's circulation, if the heart's pumping. You know, that's what God likes to do. He likes to come upon people to reveal to 
condition. And when he saw us, oh, hold on, you don't have life within you, then he does what people who do CPR do. He starts to pump their heart and breathe into them life, his breath. So I'm thankful that God doesn't just see us dead there and leave us there. Aren't you thankful that the character of God is not like that? Amen. So I'd like to cover three things. That God has put on my heart today to speak. I would have done four, but I'm out of time almost. Three things that I would like to cover today that will show us whether we have life or not. The first one is dead people don't pray. Dead people don't pray. So you have to understand that the Bible tells us, first and foremost, that the children of God... They have something issue, issuing forward from their life when they're alive. You know, it's prayer. Why? Because Jesus said, if you, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, but I'll tell you where the references are. It's John chapter number 15. And he said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And this word abiding in, it means to actually dwell in, to have your residence inside of God and God to have his residence inside of you. Do you think that's just going to happen by sitting down in your seat? Oh, you know, somehow God's going to be inside of me when I don't make any type of efforts towards him being resident within me. That's why he gave instructions, abide in me. And I will abide in you. And what we know here is that when somebody is alive, there is this fruit that's being born in their life. And one of those fruits, you know, what we would call is a work of faith. You know, uh, James said it this way. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, one of the greatest signs that you have faith is that you pray. You know, we don't see God. We don't see him anywhere. But I call out to him as though he is here. You know, I walk through my day and if I have no thought about God or even praying, how can you say that you have life within you? When the spirit of God comes within you, he produces something in your life. He produces a cry for the living God. You know, the Bible tells us that the children of God have a cry. And this is in the book of Romans chapter 8. It says, a cry that cries out, Abba, Father. You know, it's not something that, oh, you know, we have a Bible school just down the street from here. I te I'm, that's why I'm here is I teach in the Bible school over there. And, uh, you know, the leader said, you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. And that's great. You know, tell them to pray. We do need to pray. But when the Spirit of God comes inside of you, my friends, nobody will have to tell you to pray. You will pray. You know why? Because that's what the Spirit of God does. He brings life within us. And when that life comes to us, it causes us to move in a direction that the rest of the world does not move. So when I say prayer, I'm not talking about prayer, bef you know, prayer before meals and prayers in the church. I'm talking about an intimate life with God. 
You know, I cannot walk, and I've tried it before. It doesn't work very well. I don't encourage it. But I cannot walk throughout a day without crying out to God because there is a seed within me. It's the seed of the life of God. Now, if we neglect it, it can go down and down. Why? Because this church was started by the apostles. Did you know that? It was started by people who walked and talked with Jesus. And yet Jesus gives this word. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what it would be like to hear those words? What do you mean? I go to church. What do you mean? We're, we're part of the body here. You know why they were dead? Because they had lost the invigorating power of their intimate relationship with God. You know, every church that was indicted by Jesus, who he told to repent, every single one of them, including the book of uh, 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 the church in Ephesus, excuse me, that church had left off their intimacy with God just like the rest of them. You know, when we walk around and we, we have no need of God, you know, oh, God, oh, God's on Sunday. He's, we put him in a little box, you know. My friend, God walks with me where I go. And, and sometimes, like the brother was testifying earlier, sometimes God telling us, pray, seek me. You know, and if there's no prayer, then there's no God. There's no life within you. Because that's what he produces. My friends, Apostle Paul, he was a religious man, was he not? He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a man taught by Gamaliel, the greatest teacher in Israel. According to the law, a righteous man. He went into the synagogue, probably a lot more than Saturday, and he gave his tithes and he did everything he was supposed to do. But he was a dead man inside. He was dead to the core of his being. And one day, he had, a, had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus, when he showed up, he realized just how dead he was. And you know what the Bible tells us? That he heard Jesus say, go in to the city to a man named Simon who's a tanner. And go wait there until I speak to you the things that I've determined to tell you. And when he went into that place, God then went and spoke to a man named Ananias. And Ananias had said, Lord, I know who this man is. He's come to murder us. He's come to throw us in jail and everything else. And you know what God said of that man? Go. For he is praying. What, you don't think he didn't pray before? How many times did he perhaps lift up his hands and this and that? My friends, he was praying for the first time. You know why? Because when you have an encounter with the living God, and light comes into you, that's what comes out, prayer. Dead people don't pray. They don't spend time every day with God. They don't spend hours with God. They don't spend time. We don't have to manufacture. I'm not trying to get you all rubbed up and try to get you to do a lot of time with God. That won't work either. God has to put life in you. And if you have no life, it might be time to lift up your hands and say, Here I am, God. I need you. I need your life within me. Dead people don't move. That's my next point. Dead people don't move. Have you ever, I'm not trying to be morbid or uh, sad here, but I've been to a few f funerals before, haven't you? 
And you walk up to that person, you look in there, that person's going nowhere. There's no movement in their life. They're not doing anything. They're not going to do anything. And we say, well, I'm moving around. There was one church that Jesus said, yeah, your works are more than they are in the first. But yet I have this thing against you. You've left your first love. You think that you're alive because you're doing a bunch of stuff, but it's not empowered by your intimacy with me. Therefore, the works that you're doing are not works at all. They're empty. They're a, sh a, a hollow shell of, a, of an existence on earth. I ask you to return. And if you don't return to me, I will take away my candlestick from the church. And there will be no empower, invigorating light, illuminating power within the church anymore. You know, when we are alive in God, we move. Where do we move to? We move towards uh, the needs of the poor. We move towards whatever God is wanting us to do. And we're being moved by a power that's not our own. My friends, we can walk around in our natural strength all day long and get a whole lot of nothing at the end of the day. That's why many of us go home and we're just, why am I so empty? You know why? Because you're not a living the abundant life that God has determined that people will have. There's no movement of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's going to tell you to go some places that your family would tell you not to go. But you're going to do it anyway. You know why? Because there's life in you and it causes you to move. You know, my, my mother, and I don't say anything bad about her. She's an unbeliever. She can't help herself. But she said, don't ever go to Congo. Don't go there. And many other people, don't go to Congo. How can I not go to Congo? God told me to go there, therefore I move. Because I have life within me. You know, Jesus brought an indictment. He's going to bring an indictment in the, in the last days. In Matthew chapter number 25, it tells us, boy, I'm almost out of time. I apologize. Good to go? Ugh. In Matthew chapter number 25, you can read it for yourself. The Bible says that before the throne there stood a bunch of people. And he separated the, 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 the sheep from the goats. And the ones on his left, he said, depart into outer darkness. And the ones on his right, he said, come into the joy of your, uh, go, come into the joy of your father. Come into the joy. And you know what he said, the ones on his right, he said, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was sick, you visited me in prison. When, when I was in jail, you came to me there. You know, my friends, were they saved by works? No, they had the life of God within them. And it caused them to be moved towards the needs of people who needed to have love shown towards them. And then he turned to the other ones. And you know what he said to them? Depart from me into outer darkness. Because when I was hungry... What? You didn't give me anything. You know why? Because there was no life of God within them. When the life of God is within you, you will do the works of God. You won't just sit in the pew and, wow, the pastor had a good message today. You will be doing the works of God.
My friends, we have dumbed down Christianity to sitting in a pew. That is not what it is. Christianity is a movement of force of believers into this world to save the lost. That's what it is. A Christian cannot but testify of what they have done and what they have seen and what God has done in their life. And you know what happened to Apostle Paul after he was praying? A man came and laid his hands on him and said, Saul, receive your sight. The Lord has called me to lay my hands on you. And he received his sight. And the Bible tells us that immediately he went out and he told about Jesus from the scriptures. Did anybody have to pump him up and do something in him? Come on, brother, you got to go out there and witness. Is that what they did? My friends, it was like gravity pulls you to the ground. This man was pulled. You know why? Because when God comes on the inside, he wants to come out of you and be manifested on the outside. The next point I would like to say is dead people don't get hungry. You know? They don't get hungry at all. You know, they can sit there all day long and they never got anything, no sort of appetite within them. My friends, there's a psalm and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's about David. And he said he heard the Lord say, seek my face. And he said, my heart said, your face, Lord, will I seek. You know, this man was hungry. He was hungry for God. He was hungry for the word of God. He said, your word, oh God, is a treasure to me. I've treasured it. I've hidden it in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know, the Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, it's an amazing thing. We think, well, i got to get some hunger going. No, when God comes in, he produces hunger. So either we are alive or we're dead. That's what it comes down to. I can't say it any other way. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Think about it for a minute. Does it mean, okay, uh, yeah, because of this, now I'm blessed? No. Actually, it, the word there, blessed, means that they are empowered to prosper. That's what that word means. They are empowered to have that hunger and thirst. They were empowered to have that desire for the word of God. My friends, the word of God is to be consumed by us. If we are neglecting this word like I have no desire for it. You know, I was a drug addict. I was a, I was a dope dealer. I was a manufacturer of methamphetamines. But when God came into my life, it was like night to day. I was a different person in a moment of time. And I remember when Jesus impacted my life, the immediate first thing I did is, let me have this Bible. I want to find out about the God who has this Bible and who has put it on this earth. And I consumed it because I was hungry. God blessed me with hunger. He put life within me. My friends, are we dead or alive? My friends, whatever state you leave this earth in is how you're going to appear before God. 
If one of you passes in the parking lot, you're driving out and all of a sudden a semi hits you and you have no life in you, that's how you're going to appear before God. Did you know that? Today may be your last chance to receive the life of God. And God is calling. My friends, he says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. This God of love is putting his fingers on the pulse of your spiritual life right now. You know why? Because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to end up dead like the rest of them. He's ready to breathe his breath into your life. We have a choice to make. How are you going to appear before God? I don't know how you guys do it here, if you do altar calls or what, but I want to respect the, the atmosphere of the church. If there's anybody here who would say, that's me. My friends, this is a holy moment. This is a moment when God can change your life forever. Who cares what anybody thinks about? If you need life and you don't have it today, who cares if somebody thought you had life next to you? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they think. Right now, God is looking down, and he's putting his fingers on the pulse of your neck, your spiritual neck, and he's saying, you don't have life. Do you want it? Come to me. Come to me. Bow down before me and surrender your life to me, and I will give you a new one. I'll give you a different life, and you won't have to manufacture anything. Because out of you will come something that you've never had before. That's an invitation today. It doesn't matter if you've sang songs in front of the church for the last three years. God is inviting you. Please come. Please come. We're going to pray together. Anyone who will come. We can stand on our feet for a moment. Anybody who will come. God is calling. God is calling. This is the moment of renewal. This is a moment where new life can come. God is desiring to do great things here, my friends. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Start to cry out to him. Nobody has to pray for you. You cry out to him right where you are, right where you are. Brothers, let's pray.